We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. How about that weekend of baseball, everybody? If you're sitting here Monday morning like we are, we're recording on Monday morning, and you think back to that weekend of, I don't even want to call it baseball, that was an embarrassment that needs to be burned, those game tapes need to be burned and buried, Uh, I'm just disgusted with what I I saw over the weekend. Scott, are you as mad as I am? Yeah, they picked a really bad time to... Uh, you know, go away offensively. I mean, it's it's been pretty much anemic at this point uh, over the past almost a week now since last Wednesday. They've uh, you know they've been just doing absolutely nothing with the bat. So yeah, man, it's been it was a fr- it was a fun weekend, but it was frustrating at the same time. So uh, fun for different reasons, I guess. Well, the biggest weekend of this of the year, arguably, the Blue Jays are hot. They're rolling since the trade deadline. They got you know Price and Tulo. They're the hot team. Everyone's saying the Yankees are chasing the Blue Jays, not the other way around. And the Yankees could have made a statement. They needed to win the series, win two out of three. Um, and instead, they laid an egg, got swept, and it's not looking pretty right now. Now, when you score one run over you know, the course of a, a series against the, your biggest competitor at this point, um, one, you don't, you don't show a lot of fight. That, that's one thing that, that was really disappointing. And, um, and, and two, you know, the pitching was pretty decent, I think, and, and they just didn't um, – there was no support. There was zero support. It was like the guys didn't show up. 
We're going to get into all of that, uh, but before we do, let's talk about some some things that maybe aren't as as bad as the as the baseball we saw. Like we uh, did the Bronx Pinstripes outing on Saturday at the game. That was a good time. That was a lot of fun. We had uh, 17, 17 people come out. We uh, we do this every year. For those that you don't know, um, we have I don't know. We have about twenty to twenty five writers on the on the website, and every year, um, you know, we go out to a game. And sit in the bleachers and just kind of go out together. So it's just a way for all of us to get together and hang out for a little while. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, we went to uh, Billy's beforehand and hung out, and then uh, went the, went to the game. And unfortunately, the the game was terrible. So we had a lot more time to hang out and and uh, and shoot the breeze together. So that was cool. Yeah, I feel like I didn't even watch the game. I barely remember the game to tell you the truth, just because it was there was nothing happening. And uh, yeah, I mean the one the one piece of action that we had, right? We were over saying hi to cousin Brewski, who we had on the show, who was a a, a, vend- a beer vendor. He's been there forever. He's been there for three stadiums. If you haven't listened to the interview we had on the show with uh, cousin Brewski, definitely go back and check the logs and um, and listen to that because he's a he's a Yankee Stadium treasure. Yeah, we did that back in May. That was he's an awesome guy to talk to and even more fun in person. Yeah, he's a blast. He's a, he's a lot of fun. Catch a buzz with the cuz, and that's what we were doing when that grand slam hat <laughs> when that grand slam hit. So it's probably a good thing that we were getting beer and not sitting out there watching that happen. Yeah, that's true. That, that's definitely that's definitely true. It was uh, it, it it didn't hurt as much, I guess, when we were sitting there talking to him. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was fun overall. You know, we had a good weekend, uh, a good showing. Uh, everybody had a good time. It seemed like, and um, yeah, you know, every year that's kind of a highlight of ours. Uh, we all get together and look forward to it for sure. So now we're that was our first loss as, as a website. Uh, yep, that is our game. first loss. Yeah, yeah. Last two years we won. This year, not so hot. And, and it's funny because the last two years the team sucked, and now they're good. And they got a big series against Price and everybody, and, and they just laid an egg. But yeah, uh, what a letdown too, because we actually, you know, the the it, we didn't expect the Blue Jays series on August eighth to be, you know, a, a very big series, just because usually the Blue Jays act like they normally do and just kind of fade. Um, but it turned out it was the probably the biggest one of the biggest games of the season. Uh, and, and then you know with that, them with uh, David Price going, and then us with uh, with Nova, we had a good pitching matchup, and you know everything was lined up for a good game. And unfortunately, uh, we didn't hit Price like we usually do. So it, this series was the first time the Yankees have lost a series in essentially a month. It was nine series uh, that they had either won or tied. And you know, you and I talked about that every week. You know, this team keeps winning series. That's good. That, that's building momentum. Right. And then they go out and get swept. Um, just totally, uh, it was an embarrassing series. Like, like you said, the offense disappeared, the pitching was okay, but there's definitely some questionable decisions that I think Girardi made that I think we'll talk about in a, in a few minutes. But, um, really, I mean, the, the Blue Jays are right on your tails now. Uh, they're, they're riding high. The Yankees are going on the road and they're, they're low right now. We got to see how this team reacts to adversity. I mean, the momentum has completely shifted when we're we're looking at the trade deadline and we're five and a half, six games up, whatever it was at that point. Um, you know, I think we were obviously disappointed by uh, a lot of people were very disappointed by the Yankees not making any uh, any real moves. And then the Blue Jays completely retooling and just filling every single hole that they had. Um but yeah, I mean, in a week, we've seen what happened. They came in and they they definitely saw this series as a, as a statement a hell of a lot more than the Yankees did. And they certainly did make a statement. I mean, the one through four, those guys are, they're scary. They have a scary offense. You add, you add in a, a number one, a leader of that pitching staff with David Price. It's definitely a scary team. Well, like, like you said, the, the Blue Jays saw it as more of a statement, which is disappointing that the Yankees d- couldn't get up for this series and, and play a little harder. But, you know, this, I think, can go one of two ways. This can either bury the team and they go into a tailspin, or this wakes them up and they say, you know, shit, we have a, we have a playoff run now here. We, we've got a competitive division against the Blue Jays. We've got 10 more games against the Blue Jays. If we go out and win the majority of those games and, and just play good baseball, we, we can still win this division. And that's how they have to react. Well, they need to turn it around quickly because we have three at Cleveland, and then we go to Toronto. Yep. Um, so, and and you and I, from what I was, uh, I heard, I was listening to the game on Sunday while I was driving, and John Sterling was was saying that all all those games have already been sold out. So, you know, the crowd's going to be there. That place is going to be rocking, uh, and they're going to be pumped up. Um, so, yeah, we need to steal some momentum somehow and, and go into Toronto and, and and win those games or take two out of three. We need to make we need to make a statement in their building now. And if you thought guys like you know Bautista and Donaldson and Incarn. Nacion and Tula were scary in Yankee Stadium. They're yeah. even scarier up in the Sky Dome. I don't even know what that place is called anymore. The King, yeah. Well, what's it called? Toronto. I don't know. The Sky, yeah. the sky, the sky Dome to they, me. They so. absolutely mash the ball up there. It's scary. 
Yeah, it's definitely one of those uh, one of those big home run parks, um, kind of like Yankee Stadium. But yeah, they they are scary up there. And uh, with that, it's just, that lineup is is just it's nasty. When we saw it in person, you could see just the raw power. And, and um, uh, Donaldson's just having a, one hell of a year. I mean, that guy is probably one of the best hitters in baseball, if not the best hitter right now. Yeah, I mean, he's he's in the MVP talks. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, he's and, and now that with with the padding that he has ahead of him and behind him. Um, you know, too deep. I mean, that's crazy. They have, they have a, uh, that, that one through four is scary. Yeah. So I was, you and I, I know, I think we're talking about this at the game, how it's kind of interesting. They have too low leading off, but you know, the first inning, it might seem a little weird, but after that, it actually makes for a really dangerous lineup because you, you, you turn the lineup over and then you got too low right there with all those, those guys in back of them. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the thoughts were because they also acquired Ben Revere from the Phillies in the trade deadline, and I think a lot of people thought that he was going to be the the leadoff guy with their um, who's the second baseman they went down Snyder Devin. I don't know, the second baseman who was having a really good season. I think he was a rookie as well. Um, but he's having a really good season. He's he's uh, on the shelf right now with a shoulder injury. Um, but he was hitting leadoff uh, for a while. And then I guess by, you know, with you're giving Tulowitzki another at-bat. That's what's happening yep. at, at the end of the day. And, and who doesn't want Tulowitzki to have another at-bat? So, um, you know, having Revere in the nine spot, he hasn't hit like he, he did in Philly yet. But he probably will. I mean, he's a good hitter. And uh, yeah, he'll be setting the table for those guys um, after the first inning. So yeah, it's it's scary. It's it's a scary lineup, and uh, hopefully, um, hopefully these guys can hit a big slump. I, I I guess you know it's my own you know feelings on the Blue Jays, but I didn't believe in them up until this weekend, and now. Well, why would you? We've never had a we've never been threatened by the Blue Jays. It's been what twenty two years since they've been the playoffs, something like that. It's it's been a long time. So you know, objects are are closer than they appear. I guess in your rearview mirror at this point. <laughs> well, since since I think you mentioned this, but since the trade deadline, essentially the Blue Jays have won eleven out of twelve games, and in that same time, the Yankees are four and seven. So there's your difference right there. Yep, that's a big difference, and uh, unfortunately, this supports a lot of the gripes for Yankee fans because uh, a lot of people were upset that we didn't make a move and that Toronto was behind us, just making move after move after move. And they were not small moves; these were all legitimate moves. I mean, uh, from the lineup to to your defense, I think Tulowitzki's a better defender, um, and then you get a you get a literally a number one stud in your in your. Uh, Pitching rotation, and then you anchor the bullpen uh, with with the kid from uh, Seattle. So they did a lot of work. They did a lot of work in that trade deadline and filled pretty much every hole that they had. So, yeah, uh, I, mean, I guess I underestimated those moves because I, I agree I wasn't really taking it as, as serious, but they've gotten my attention. I said this on the trade deadline episode that we did, where sometimes you got to make you don't need to make the David Price move, but you need to make a move to to improve your team in little ways just to give confidence back to your guys that we, you know we're in this for the long haul down we're we're playing for a World Series here and they didn't I mean Dustin Ackley is essentially I mean he's hurt now but I mean that's a non move in my opinion yeah that that move doesn't even come up on a, on the radar at all but you know so I guess the moves that they were thinking are that these guys from the minors are going to come up and that's going to be the jolt and you know I think Severino does do that in in some respect um but you know to me there are other guys down there that can still do that uh do, still have a similar uh, impact it's just a matter of if they're going to make a move and and right now it doesn't even I don't see it in the in the in the future so not in the near future at least all right well let's get into the games uh this week that we saw they had three against boston and boston's totally dead you know non-factor they're rolling out you know you know veterans who are uninterested and then some other young players that you might have never heard of yeah Uh, but on tuesday the yankees crushed them 13 to 3 and it was tanaka versus henry owens and henry owens is kind of the luis severino of the red sox he's their number one pitching prospect in the in the system he's had a really good year in triple a uh, he was actually fighting for a roster spot at the beginning of the year, and he had a rough spring training. But uh, he came up and uh, made his debut at Yankee Stadium. What did you think of him? You know, he doesn't have, like, amazing stuff, to, to tell you the truth. Like, when you see him, he's not overly impressive. I mean, not, there's nothing there to to, to uh, blow you away uh, from what I saw. I guess his, you know, his curveball, he's got a big hook that, that's one of his better pitches. Uh, but what is he, like, low, 90, low to mid-90s fastball? Yeah, you know, his stuff reminded me of, like, a Mark Burley type. Yeah, I could see that, and he and he just he doesn't look very intimidating. He looks like a little boy. I don't know. He just looks like a little kid um, from like Sandlot or something. I don't know. He's just he just 
he he's not he's not a guy that I that I would uh, ultimately fear uh, at least from that one start. So I'm sure, obviously, it was his his first start um, in Yankee Stadium against Yankees Red Sox. So you know maybe maybe we didn't see his best, and he's got to get into the groove too. So um, I guess the jury's still out for me on him. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think if you're comparing him his debut to Severino's debut, even though um, Severino got hit with a loss, we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, I thought Severino's stuff just translated way more to the majors than Henry Owens. But back to that Tuesday game, Tanaka pitched, and he was cruising through four innings, um, you know, looked like the Tanaka of last May. And then all of a sudden, uh, sort of hit a roadblock, was starting to throw a lot of pitches, giving up a few hits. Uh, He ended up going six innings, five hits, and three earned runs. But he did give up another home run to Pablo. Um, And just sort of like what we've seen out of Tanaka pretty much the whole year, just kind of a very average start. Yeah, I mean, we're still waiting for that real dominant start where he goes deep into the game. But I mean, we're, we'll probably talk about this later. I know we will. But you know, it's like they're they're not even letting him go deep in the game if he was was to get there. So I'm just confused on what's going on with him right now. Um, he, he's kind of go, it looks like he's going through the motions. Um, you know, I feel like he could turn it on when he does, but he's like giving him giving people layups for these these home runs. It's it's just strange because he's hitting the velocity's there. Like he's hitting those numbers. Um, so I, I can't blame anything on injury right now. I, he just you know, maybe the offense, uh, the, the league's caught up to him a little bit. Maybe, maybe that's what we're seeing. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say if he's, if he's fully healthy or not because you're right. He'll, he'll go out there and for three innings, he'll look dominant. and He'll be throwing his 94-mile-an-hour fastball and his splitter is dipping out of the zone. And then all of a sudden he comes out there for the fifth inning and it looks like he, you know, can't get anybody out. He's, he's throwing pitches out of the, you know, he, he's missing location with his fastball. He's, they're not swinging at his splitter. And, you know, he gives up way too many home runs because he comes in with his fastball Guys are sitting on it, and he's getting crushed with it. Well, and I think that's what we're seeing too. There's there's a lot more tape on him now, and I think guys are laying off that splitter. Whereas last year, you know, he was getting a lot of swing and misses on that pitch, and he's not getting as many this year. Um, and and I think people are are, are waiting for you know they might be sitting on a on a particular pitch, and you know that that could definitely lead into to more home runs. Um, obviously, if you're not swinging at that splitter, uh, you know you're you're able to to get more uh, lift on the ball. So um, you know, I I, I think that. That's probably one of the biggest factors is the fact that he's been in the league for a year. People have seen him now, and uh, uh, maybe they're they're more comfortable with with uh, with facing him. Yeah, he, he had 88 pitches on Tuesday night through six innings, but uh, if you look at maybe those last 30 pitches, those were those were laborsome. So I think that's probably why Girardi made the move. Yeah, uh, the Yankees bats exploded though in the seventh inning off the Sox bullpen, which might be the worst bullpen in baseball. Um, and that was sort of, you know, it was a, it was a close game. I think it was uh, three to two or four to three Yankees, and then all of a sudden it's it's you know thirteen to three, and the game's over. So, and what was the dude? There was one dude who gave up a home run, Robbie Robbie Ray or Robbie, Robbie Ross. Robbie Robbie, yeah, I thought he had three names. I thought he was like a Billy Bob or something. But he uh, the the reaction that he had when that home run when that ball was hit was priceless. It was a pretty good like his whole body just flipped. He was mad. Yeah. It was, it just made it more entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, we're sitting here complaining the Yankees just got swept by Toronto. But we, we could be Red Sox fans right now. Yeah, I know. That's true. And so I'm going to I'm going to celebrate the, uh, the, the the misery of their uh, of their team at this point. So that, that was a fun game to uh, explode on them. <clears throat> Wednesday was a fun night. Uh, at least watching on TV, it looked like it was an fun. awesome atmosphere in the Bronx. You know, sort of playoff atmosphere. Looked to be, you know, almost 50,000 people there. Everyone hanging on every pitch that Severino threw. Um, you know, we talked about this last episode. This is the guy. This is the pitching prospect. He was the untouchable guy at the deadline. Cashman wasn't going to trade him. You know, you could have gotten David Price if you wanted to trade Luis Severino. Um, but they weren't going to do that. So, you know, he came up and he looked really good in my opinion. He did. He looked. I, th- I thought he was really. He he, he looked composed. Um, it didn't look like the moment was too big for him, and the the crowd was was definitely behind him, which I think helped a lot. Uh, but he just. I don't know. His stuff. His stuff looks really good. He looks like the real deal. Just. I mean, it's one outing. I, I get that. Um, but um, I know Yankee fans were were also pumped up. We got a voicemail. I think we're gonna get to it a little early. So um, this is actually Anakin Joseph from the Bronx talking about Severino. What's up, guys? My name is Annika Joseph uh, from the Bronx, but live in Philadelphia now. And I watched Luis Severino last night. It all I can say was filthy dominance. 
uh, going into that game, I know the kid was either going to do real well or real, uh, or real bad. And because uh, you had adrenaline pumping all of you know, big, big game debut, Yankee Stadium, Red Sox. You know, pressure was on him. And he did great the whole night. Except that one mistake to David Ortiz that proved costly. You know, Chase Headley, the error act came back to haunt the Yankees, you know. Hoping Chase Kelly could do something offensively to redeem himself, but he pitched great. I had seven strikeouts and five innings, no walks and only two hits. Uh, I mean, this is a good debut. If this is what we have in store for this kid, I'm glad we didn't trade him. That's all I can say. The guy was filthy last night. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. All right, thanks, Anakin. I think uh, we got your name right. Sorry, you were, you were saying it pretty quick on the voicemail there, but um, I'm totally with you, man. I mean, Severino was throwing his fastball in the mid-90s. He had a little cutter slider action going at, at you know, 89, 90 miles an hour. Um, everyone was saying, you know, coming into the game that his changeup is probably his most, um, you know, established pitch at this point. Seemed to be thrown at about 87 miles an hour. Uh, it had a lot of movement on it. I kind of wish he was th- he threw a little bit uh, more changeups to get more uh, swings and misses. But you know he was throwing fastballs and and guys were late on it. Um, I think Ortiz, who did hit a monster home run off of him, um, but I, that was the only hit he got after the game. Said you know his stuff was electric. So you hear that from a guy of Ortiz's caliber of a hitter. Um, you know as a Yankee fan, you got to get pumped up about that. Yeah, and you know the, it was unfortunate what happened because it, there was a, a first. First of all, there was an error by Headley, but the pitch before that error was, uh, I think, one of the most beautiful pitches. I mean, it was a it was a knee high strike on the black and was not called. Would have been strike three. Place would have gone ballistic, um, but it was not called. And then uh, either next pitch or whatever that same batter um, chopper to Headley and Headley, uh, you know, boots the throw. So um, it was an error on the season for Headley. Mm. Yeah, 18th. He's been better, but uh, but yeah, that's that's a lot of errors. A lot of those were in the in the beginning of the season. But anyway, it was unfortunate what happened to uh, him because of that. Um, because I, I think I, th- I really wanted him to get that call. It was a beautiful pitch, and I was going crazy when they didn't when they didn't call that. Um, but yeah, overall, he looked really good. His stuff looked electric. Uh, like I said, he didn't look like he was, um, you know, like the moment was too big for him. Um, so I'm excited to see him uh, the rest of the season and and coming up on on Tuesday. We need him to be big. We need him right now. So uh, let, let's let's see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, pretty much out of the last week, he's the only bright spot in the last week for me. Yeah, well, 13 runs and him, so I, I think that's those are the two. Uh, 13 runs in one game. We, it's like we blew, we blew it all in one game, and then uh, couldn't get. And we kind of, you know, that's that's that happens all the time. It's like you score like a boat ton of runs in one game, and then silence. Uh, just the silence has been too damn long. Yeah, and in that same game, um, the Yankees faced Stephen Wright, knuckleballer, just cheater, couldn't, just couldn't get anything going. I hate God, I hate knuckleballers. It's awful. Yeah. They're they're just annoying to watch. Yeah. I'm gonna go. This is what I want to do. I want to spend like a month just go in my backyard and practice my knuckleball and <laughs> see what happens. I feel like those guys just like get off the couch, or they're, you know they're position players and then they they want to extend their career so they learn a knuckleball. It's nonsense. And it's weird because, like, the Red Sox team, I mean, they had Wakefield for all those years, and then they got this kid. Just Yeah. I know. It, it, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's frustrating to watch. I can only imagine how frustrating it is as a player when you're taking batting practice. And, you know, I was listening to uh, – I think it was Aaron Boone talking about this when they used to face uh, Wakefield and how Steinbrenner would bring in a knuckleballer to pitch to the guys uh, <laughs> before, the, before the Wakefield starts, and the guys couldn't stand it they, because – they didn't want to change their routines for yeah. one guy. They don't want to change the way that they're, you know, their timing or, or you know, whether it's a, a big leg kick or, or just a step or, or whatever. Um, but I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was funny that Steinbrenner would like mandate uh, they bring in a knuckleballer up the street to come in and throw to these guys before Wakefield, and the players just, you know, they couldn't handle it. They could, they didn't like it. So it's frustrating, I think, for the 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 um, the batters and. You know, maybe that has to have something to do with the with this week. I mean, we saw two knuckleballers. Um, you know, I don't know if that that attributes to these guys going silent, but um, it certainly couldn't help. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that sort of changed the offensive week around for us. We just scored thirteen on Tuesday, and then they've scored four runs after that the entire week. Yeah, so it's frustrating. Um, Thursday against uh, the Red Sox, they got the win, and that was a series win. They won two to one. 
And uh, CC looked kind of like the CC of four years ago. It was pretty, pretty interesting to see. I was not expecting that. You know, I was expecting the same old CC to go out there, throw a million pitchers through five innings, give up you know five, four or five runs. But instead, we saw mid nineties fastball out of him. <laughs> like, where did that come from? Yeah, you know, he was fired up that whole game too. Um, he had it seemed like he he kind of mustered up some uh, some adrenaline from somewhere. I don't know where he got it, but. I mean, he's always been a fiery player, but it seemed like he was extra pumped up for that game. Um, and, and you know, maybe maybe this is a new CC. Maybe this is a new mindset of like, you know, I'm I'm sick of I'm sick of uh, of being mediocre. I'm just going to come in fired up. I don't know. I don't know what he had to do to get up for that game, but I hope he does it every single time. And um, I, I got to say, a very well timed article by our guy uh, Roy <laughs> Hader from uh, he wrote an article just before that start. Um, it was called "In Defense of CC Sabathia" and kind of broke down why he thinks that we'll see a better CC for the rest of the season. So definitely check that article out. It was a good timing on Rowie, and hopefully he's right for the rest of the year. Can he pick lottery numbers or something? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, was, I, absolutely CC's best start of the season, eight strikeouts in six innings. Like I said, um, he, he reached 94 miles an hour uh, when he got Ortiz with the bases loaded. Inside fastball, he was so fired up. I haven't seen CC that fired up probably since the 2009 playoffs. And yeah, I think the umpire actually helped matters a little bit to get him fired up because he actually came back out. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember what inning was, but where uh, the home plate umpire came out and kind of gave him a little warning, like uh, you know, like stop talking about the the strikes. Or uh, apparently, CC wasn't even talking to the guy from what his from what he said afterwards. Um, but you know, that's that's a that's a place where the umpire really just needs to to, to not um, insert himself into the ball game. Um, I, I can't stand when when umpires, uh, you know, they get they get big headed and they and they feel the need to say, hey, I'm here, and then they, they make a, a visit like that. It was just no reason for it. Um, Ellsbury had the go-ahead home run in the seventh inning. Um, this was the difference in the game. This is, I mean, we're going to talk about Ellsbury and Gardner later in the show, but this Ellsbury's been absolutely terrible. Uh, it was good to see him get the home run, though. This was sort of his his only big hit that I can remember recently. Yeah, it was a big one. Obviously, uh, came was the go-ahead run against his former team um, to to take the series. So yes, it was a big one. Uh, I, I thought it was gonna jar him out of uh, a slump. You know, those are the types of hits that that can really um, you know start a momentum. I think at the plate, uh, but it just wasn't the case. So, but in that moment, great job by Ellsbury. Uh, it was a big hit. All right, so let me ask you this. I know we've talked uh, so much about CC and we've beat everything to you know pretty much dead at this point. But what are we going to see from CC the last two months of the season, do you think? I just don't know. I mean, we, we, we always talk about, and the one thing I'll go back to is that he's, a, he's just, you know, he's an all-time competitor. And the guy cannot stand to struggle. I mean, it's not like he's going out there and trying to be bad. He's, he's, he's trying to, uh, to pitch as well as he possibly can. And um, so I, I think we're going to see that. We're going to see CC uh, competing as, as hard as he can. And, you know, wh- whatever he kind of mustered up for this, pe- this last game, uh, hopefully he can bottle that up and, and use it every fifth day because, you know, he was good. He did look like old CC. He was fired up. I liked seeing the, the raw emotion from him. Um, and then I like seeing 94 miles an hour out of his hand, too. So I, I, I don't have an answer for you because I just don't know. I don't think anybody does, um, you know. Hopefully he can kind of bottle that up and, and, and he found something. Uh, that's, all, that's all I can hope for, I guess. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I have no clue. He could go out next outing and, and, and not even make it through two innings, and I wouldn't be surprised. But uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, all right, Friday was the start of the terrible weekend against Toronto. Um, Yankees lost this game in 10 innings, but this was, you mentioned, they faced another knuckleballer, R.A. Dickey, and pretty much only one run, you know, only one run, the Teixeira home run, and, um, you know, I don't know what to say about knuckleballers. Like, can you really get mad that the offense couldn't do anything against a knuckleballer? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I just can't stand seeing that ball. Uh, come in and do all these swings and misses when it's coming, you know, like 70 miles an hour. It's just so frustrating. And I can only imagine how frustrating. I've never faced a knuckleballer in my life. Um, so, you know, or at least anybody who has a, a decent knuckleball. Um, so I can only imagine how frustrating it is for a batter who, who's taking, 
uh, you know, batting practice and, and, and practicing his timing and, and getting it down, uh, you know, and he's looking for, you know, 90 to, to you know, mid-90s fastballs, and he's getting, you know, an 80-mile-an-hour fastball and then something that's dancing all over the damn place. So it's like playing wiffle ball. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. You can't, how, do you, how do you get down on them for that? But you, you have to because they're professional hitters, right? They have to adjust, so, and they just didn't make the adjustments. And here starts some of the questionable moves that Girardi made over the weekend. It, it was one-to-one going into extra innings. And in comes uh, Brandon Pinder for the 10th inning. He immediately gives up a bomb to Bautista. They lose the game. Um, I understand bringing in Pinder in extra innings, maybe if you're in like the 13th inning, but it's the 10th inning. Miller just threw six pitches to get through the 9th inning. You can go back to him, or you can go to Warren, who didn't pitch since uh, Wednesday. So he had a day off. Why couldn't you bring in Warren in that situation, who's probably your third best guy out of the bullpen. Yeah, this is not a time to experiment. I mean, we I, I think uh, Girardi and everybody else has seen what Pinder Pinder's got good stuff. I mean, he does. He's got electric stuff. He's he's got an, another another guy with a high 90s fastball um, that the Yankees seem to be enamored by. And you know, but bringing him in in the 10th inning and like you said, you know, Miller only threw 6 innings or 6 pitches. Um, he, he could easily go back in and, and and throw another inning or at least get through a couple batters. Um, and then Warren, you know, I, I totally I, um, we're in complete agreement with this because while I like and, and I, I, I see the potential in Pinder, that is not the time to bring him in and experiment with a guy. We have no idea how, to, how he's going to show up in a big situation. Yeah, and, and this is just more, you know, I'm, I'm looking up the stats now on what the Yankees are in extra innings. They're now two and six. That's terrible. That, to me, that comes down to, to management more than anything. You yeah, make, you make mistakes, uh, you know, w- with the bullpen, or, or you don't, you know, make a, a a call to hit and run or something like that. You know, Girardi, I think, is not doing or doing something to to you know to have that kind of record in extra innings. No, I have to agree. I, I think that Girardi definitely makes some. He makes a lot of questionable calls. I mean, he he. Uh, People people are scratching their head a lot of times when this dude is making uh, making decisions, and uh, it seems like he's making a lot of the wrong decisions. Lately, it seems like every decision he's made has been bad. Um, yeah, you know, he's he's on a he's he's not only is our offense slumping, but Girardi's in a massive slump himself. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I don't really know what else to say about that other than they, you can't use Pinder in that situation. You got to use somebody better, and there, there's really nothing else to say. I'm not even mad at Pinder. I'm mad at Girardi for that. Well, and not even to say someone better. I mean, you want to use someone who is you more established more. at that yes. point, right? Someone that you that you know has been in a situation like that. I mean, literally, this is the biggest game of the year right now. We're playing the first game against Toronto, who is closing in on us fast. It's a 1-1 game in... Um, and, and we're in extra innings at home. Like that is not a time to bring in a guy who who is one of I don't know how many guys have we brought up for a day or two days or a week. I mean it's been it's like a it's been a you know a, a rotation of these guys from AAA have been coming up. Not the time to do it. Not the time. And then if, uh, if Warren comes in and gives up that home run, I, I feel a lot better about it because you know at least he's a guy that we trust. Oh, I'm totally with you. Yeah, I, it's like I, I, I almost feel like I, I'm mad, but I, I don't know. I, I'm just mad at Girardi. I don't know what else to get mad at for that for that kind of move. It, it's just it's just the, the 100% wrong move in my opinion. Right. <clears throat> All right. Saturday, we also we mentioned earlier that we were at the game, um, and I think it's a good thing we were drinking heavily the entire day. And that it was nice and sunny out, and we, we sort of had a nice day otherwise because they lost 6 uh, nothing, one of the most boring games of the year. Um, and the, the one play that, that this game boils down to is in the sixth inning, there's no score. Nova had already thrown 100 pitches, and his base is loaded, uh, smokes up, there's one out. He just walked Encarnacion on four pitches. He's clearly out of gas. Anyone in the stadium could see that. Anyone watching on TV could see that. Anyone listening could see, could hear that. Girardi leaves him in, and he hangs a curve, and it's it's a grand slam for Smoke, and that's ball game. So I just don't understand the mentality because it seems like it seems like that you have a similar situation and with a different result as far as Girardi's decision. Like each time, like you have, he, he's he's always talking about how we want to um, how we want to make sure that we're giving our guys rest. We're not going to push them too much. We're, we're you know making sure that they're coming back and, and and rested for the end of the season. Yet you have a guy coming off of Tommy John surgery 
who is over 100 pitches, like you said, looked clearly out of gas, just walked um, a guy on four pitches to load the bases, and you're going to leave him in? It just doesn't make any sense. We're, we're, we're in the same situation, uh, or you have a, a similar uh, – the, the pitching rotation, you have a guy at 80 pitches in the sixth inning, and you're pulling him. Like, I, I just don't understand where the, where the line is. Like, are, are we protecting them? Are we not protecting them? Do we trust them? Do we not trust them? There's just there's no clear line in the sand right now, and I just don't understand it. We're talking about a guy in Girardi who took out Justin Wilson on Tuesday night in the middle of an at bat with two in, strikes. Yes, to bring it was a chances. one-two count. He'll make a pitching change any time of day, no matter what the count is, and he leaves Nova in right here, and he gives up the grand slam. You bring in anybody. Bring in Shreve. Bring in Wilson. Bring in War. Anybody else you have to bring in at that point. Nova was done at that point. He, 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 was, he kept doing the game. You know, he was laboring through the first couple innings. That's why he threw a lot of pitches. It was a warm day. He clearly was out of gas, and I understand you trust Nova. I think Nova is one of the bigger game pitchers on this team. Ever since day one in the major leagues, he's always been able to get out of jams. But that's not a jam that you let him get out of because it's clearly, you know, he's clearly done at that point. And, and to leave him in is just another colossal mistake. I agree, and we paid for it. Uh, it was, uh, it was, a, it was, <laughs> it was, it was a terrible moment because I, I, you know the entire stadium was deflated at that time. I mean, that's a grand slam in uh, a zero-zero game um, in the sixth inning with with our bats just completely on our shoulders. Uh, there, there was no hope left at that point, and uh, you knew it was game over. Yeah, I mean, maybe it wasn't going to make a difference because Price was was nasty that day, and the Yankees didn't score. But you still never know what happens if it's a if it's a close game, if it's a nothing nothing or a one nothing game. Exactly, you get into the bullpen, you never know what what, what could happen, and and you know there's different mentalities when it's a zero zero game, a one nothing game, than a four nothing game. Yep. Um, <clears throat> all right. Anything else you want to say about about that uh, nice move by Girardi? No, I just uh, it's <laughs> it's just there's a laundry list now that's starting to pile up. Uh, Sunday, the the Blue Jays finished the sweep. It was Tanaka versus Marco Estrada. I mean, Tanaka. It's, I'm not going to say he pitched bad, but if he's our our you know ace, he's got to go in there and shut shut the bats down for Toronto, and he didn't do that. Um, he gave up two more home runs. That makes a total of 18 on the season for him, and only 16 starts. Um, <laughs> it, 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 again, he only gave up two runs, but. Two home runs and one, in, you know, one to Donaldson in the first inning, and sort of got the Yankees down right away again. I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that he pitched badly, or I'm not even too upset about those home runs, to tell you the truth, because um, it seems like, like, look, this has been a trend. We, we know this. Um, uh, you gave me, would you say, 18 and 16 starts. So yep. a lot of these, I, I'm curious to know what the what the numbers are on how many of those are solo shots, because um, I think he is taking more risks when there's nobody on base, which is something I think you can kind of live with. Um, so the fact that he pitched six innings, uh, two runs. But he was cruising. When he get, went through the sixth inning, he got through the heart of the lineup at 80 pitches. Here, go, here I go back to these, these questionable decisions. Like, we're, we're coddling him now. We're coddling our ace in the biggest game of the, in the, biggest game of the year at the, at to this point now, right? We need to salvage. Um, we need to come back and salvage a win. And he's taking our, our, our ace out. Uh, at the in the in the sixth inning at with 80 pitches after he just did uh, very well against uh, you know part of the meat of their order so I, I don't get it because a couple nights before that Girardi's talking about how we need Tanaka to go deeper in games we need him to start pitching uh, deeper into games we need somebody to pitch to pitch deeper in games yeah. this was this was a soundbite from 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 Joe and and now he is you know he has a position where he's he's able to keep a guy in who has. Uh, a very manageable pitch count, 80 pitches it, through six innings. Let, let him go out, back out there. Instead, you know, he brings um, – uh, uh, he brought in Warren. Warren struggled. And luckily, uh, Justin Wilson came in, I think, with the bases loaded with no outs and, and pitched a miraculous uh, inning and got out of the inning. So, uh, you know, Justin Wilson definitely bailed him out. But I don't understand the move. If you're trying to save your bullpen and trying to get more length from your starters and you have a perfect opportunity to do it with your number one guy and you don't do it, you just pull him out. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree on that. I mean, it's essentially, it, it, I can't remember the last time a Yankee starter got past the or past the sixth inning. You know what I mean? 
It, it's yeah. always five and a third. Six. It was, it was Nathan Avaldi, actually. It was Nathan Avaldi. <laughs> yeah, when? S- like, six and a third in his last outing. Six and a third. I mean, that's not a deep start. <laughs> right. I mean, it's deeper than these other guys, but that's not like that doesn't save your bullpen necessarily. No, I know, but the, the, the thing is, is, like, if if we're if we're trying to save our bullpen and we have a perfect opportunity to do it, like, there was no reason to pull him out of that game. He it wasn't like he labored over the last inning. He. He pitched well the last inning. He pitched very well against the top of the the Toronto lineup, um, and then you're just you're just pulling him at 80 pitches. I mean, he had worn up he had worn up pitching uh, in the bullpen in the beginning of the sixth inning. Uh, you know, he was he was ready to go at, at that point. So it wasn't even like he pulled him in the middle of the inning. Like he was ready to pull him out at 70 some pitches. It, I didn't understand the move. And, and you know what? It probably wasn't going to matter because the Yankees got shut out again, and that's the first time since 1999 that the Yankees were shut out in back-to-back games. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy number. I, you know, when I heard that, um, that that was extremely surprising. Uh, I guess that's a good thing for us because we haven't been shut out in back-to-back. But man, that's a that's a long, that's a bad streak to break. So. You know, we can say, you know, they faced two knuckleballers this week. That's weird. Maybe that's why the bats went cold. But I think a bigger reason than any why the, the Yankees' offense is not producing right now is that Ellsbury and Gardner are not getting on base and they're not hitting. Ellsbury's last 100 plate appearances, he's batting 170 with a 216 on base percentage. And Gardner, since the uh, All Star break, is only hitting 206. That's pretty much 100 points lower than he was in the first half. So there's two guys right there. Your table setters, who have been dynamic, who were dynamic, you know, uh, all first half. Um, I know Ellsbury was on the DL, but when those guys were clicking, the, the lineup was really unstoppable. And you had all the power hitters after them. But right now, they're just not getting on base, and, and the offense is totally flat. No, I totally agree. I mean, we saw how good this lineup can be when those two guys are, are hitting their stride. And uh, the fact that they've been struggling has really affected this lineup. It's not putting anybody on base for our power hitters. Um, and the fact that they're, you know, their averages are down, I mean, it's, it's a bad thing for the top of your lineup to be down, especially when you have those two guys um, and you have so much power behind it. You know, there was another, another uh, thing that, I, that I, I didn't even realize, honestly, because of all these home runs that have been being hit. And I guess this, this kind of supports why that's been. But to me, the, this, this number that I'm about to say is, uh, is just t- mind-blowing. Um, Ellsbury doesn't have a stolen base since, I think, May. Yep. And Gardner doesn't have a stolen base. I think the the number I heard was like 45 games. Something crazy. Something absolutely ridiculous. Um, when you have that much speed at the top of the lineup and you have guys who have been, you know, Ellsbury, I would call him, he was a, he was a prolific base dealer, uh, you know, in his career. Gardner, I think, has improved. And, he's, he, and early in the season, you saw that. He was running and, uh, you know, a higher percentage of stolen bases. But... When you have guys like that at the top of your lineup and they're not running, they're not being, you know, they're not using their instincts and, and able to steal bases. Uh, they're just kind of standing pat. You lose a lot of, of dynamic at the top of the lineup. And I understand that you have all that power and you don't want to risk getting thrown out uh, because of the power behind you. But, you know, again, this I think goes back to Girardi just not managing or even holding his guys back. Like, where's the, you know, we got to, at this point, we've been struggling. If we get on, let's steal some bases. Let's hit and run. Let's let's be let's let's manufacture some runs. But when you're not stealing bases at the top of the lineup with these two guys, you're really going to struggle to do that. Uh, uh, yeah, and you probably hit it right there when Girardi doesn't want to take the bat out of A Rod and Teixeira's hands. But w- when you score four runs in five games, <laughs> you got to change it up. You have no choice. Yeah, and well, and the other thing is the amount of games that they have zero stolen bases is just entirely too many, because at that point, now I mean it's, they're not a threat, right? They're not a threat anymore. They haven't stolen a base in forty-five games. Why would I? Why am I even going to look at you? Because you're not going. It's just it's not even a, a thought in the pitcher's mind, which I think affects the guys who are coming after you because, you know, I, if you're on base and you're a threat to steal. I think you, you're getting that much of a, you know, a little bit more of an advantage for the batter, uh, for, for the pitcher to slip up a little bit, you know, to, to take his concentration off the batter. So I think it's a big mistake. Yeah, and I think maybe some people uh, were looking at that last road trip and, and saying, oh, the bats are doing well. But they had some weird games in there. You remember the 21-run game, game in Texas, and then they had a couple du- double-digit games in uh, Chicago, I think. But other than that, I feel like they were pretty quiet. So it seems like it's either they score 10-plus runs or two runs. Yeah, well, and that's and that's been the, our bugaboo all season are these streaks. And I think with the games, um, the winning and lo- and losing, we've we've kind of 
as of late, well, not right now, but um, before the, I'd say before the trade deadline, we kind of nipped that in the butt, you know, because we've been winning a lot of series. We haven't really had a long losing streak. Um, nobody collectively has been hitting a slump. Um, so, you know, we're, we're starting to see that now where, where you know, the, the, the batting averages, um, not getting on base is, is absolutely affecting this team. All I know is that when the Yankees start hitting again, it's going to be because Ellsbury and Gardner start to hit again. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. So they need to get it going this week on the road. You know, maybe going on the road is a good thing. Get away um, from the home fans. You know, you just laid an egg. Get out Get out on the road and, and get your mojo back. Look, man, we got to come back right now. I mean, now is the is is the time that they have to start making a move uh, and, and get their and get their butts in gear because uh, Toronto is right around the corner, and and that is going to be enemy territory. I mean, those are going to be some some hostile hostile playing grounds up in Toronto. So um, I know they're going to be fired up. I know those crowds are going to be fired up, and uh, the Yankees got to answer. They got to put they got to put up some numbers right now, and they got to answer the bell. Before we talk about the upcoming week, I want to mention two plays from Sunday's game that sort of summed up the entire weekend. Um, and, and they're kind of funny plays, but at the same time, it, it does, like I said, just sum up the the crappy play that they're they're going uh, that they're playing right now. So uh, Batista hit the home run off Tanaka. I think it was the fourth inning, and a fan threw the ball back and hit Brett Gardner right in the back of the head. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, the kid, the, whoever threw that back was just like closing his eyes and launching of the ball. Of course. Yeah. And, 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 you know, unfortunately it hit, hit that noggin. That's a big noggin to hit. I mean, that's a big, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's crazy. I actually didn't even see the, the clip. I need to go back and look at that. To, yeah. There's a couple watch. vines online of it. Um, yeah, Gardner sort of, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things that Gardner's just standing there with his hands on his hips. Cause you know, he's probably pissed off, you know, he's not, yeah. He's not uh, hitting right now. Um, he actually slammed his helmet down when he grounded out earlier in that game. So he was pissed all around. But uh, to just be standing out there and get drilled in the back of the dome, um, it's just everything's it's really going, like really. Yeah, everything's going wrong right now. Um, and uh, and then Teixeira in the ninth inning uh, reached into the stands to try and catch a foul ball, and. Um, all right, I'll, I'll describe the situation. So he reaches over. The fans get out of the way. But it was like a row and a half in, so he was really reaching for it, and he couldn't make the play. The ball is then on the ground, and one of the fans in the front row sort of like, you know, lunges for the ball and, and definitely checks, you know, into into Teixeira. And Teixeira loses it. He, he, he kind of gets, you know, right in the guy's, in the fan's face, starts yelling at him, giving, giving him like a nasty look. Um, and the fan was like, you know, Oh shit! I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Um, sort of backed off, uh, and then after the game, Teixeira was quoted: "You can insult, you can't assault. We know you're upset. We lost three in a row, but keep it to insults." Uh, obviously, saying you can't assault a player, and um, if he honestly thinks that that fan assaulted him, uh, then he needs to he needs to get his eyes checked. He's just pissed off because the team is playing like crap right now. Yeah, and, and Teixeira is an emotional guy, and, and that's exactly what it is. It's just it's just feeding a fire of, of these guys struggling. And, you know, I, I bet you if you ask him the next day, he probably would admit that he overreacted to that. But, you know, when, when there's a fan, first of all, they got out of the way for the ball, right? Like, yeah. Good move. All right, good job. Good job, fellas. Um, and then the ball's on the ground. At that point, when the ball's on the ground, the play's over. As a fan, you have blinders on. You're just, like, going after that ball. Um and, and and it was obviously a you know it was an accident. It wasn't like the dude was trying to hit to share. So uh, it was just raw, I think heat of the moment, frustration, uh, all, all all kind of bottled together. Frustration. I mean, this team yeah. is frustrated. They're pressing right now. Yeah. It's showing on the field. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, the, to me, those those two plays sort of summed up the entire weekend uh, in a nutshell. There. Um, so as we mentioned, they have three in Cleveland, and the big game I think for this uh, series will be Severino's pitching on Tuesday. I'm looking forward to seeing him again. Well, you know, it's it's a we have an off day for them to to kind of regroup, uh, going to Cleveland on the road. Um, you know, letting it all hang out there. Severino, Severino's a stopper right now, right? Sever- <laughs> Our kid is now the stopper. He needs to put the end to this madness. Um, and, and the bats need to support him. They, they need to come out and they need to support him and they need to hit the ball. And and I don't care how we get runs. Um, let's steal bases. Let's manufacture runs. Let's get let's let's do whatever we got to do to get on base and and get runs across because. 
uh, we need something to spur this on, and um, you know we can't just sit and wait for the home runs to to come because if they don't come, then we will see a losing streak, uh, yeah, an, an extended losing streak. I mean, uh, the the Indians have a great pitching staff, so <laughs> they're just going to be you know, they're going to see more tough guys on the mound uh, in this series um, as they just saw against Toronto. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it's all up to the to the offense there, and then they go to Toronto. If they're God forbid, if they're down in the division by the time they go to Toronto, things could get really ugly. Yeah, that's I mean <laughs> that's why I think this series in Cleveland is is massively important to, for us to get our you know to get our mojo back because I mean this is it's, I mean let's be honest, this is the first time in a long time that we're complaining about this team, right? This is the yeah. first time that we we've had frustrations overall with this team. Um and 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 part of the week was that we won a series. It's just, you know, it was a bad time to show up uh, or to not show up uh, at home against uh, your 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 most uh, competitive rival at this point in the division. So, so yeah, they need to regroup right now, and, and they need to just to show that, hey, we have some veterans on this team. We know how to, to handle this, and let, let's handle it well. Let's handle it like pros, and get out there and hit the ball and take care of Cleveland, and then, and then you know, play well in Toronto. Were you shocked at how many Blue Jays fans were at the stadium on Saturday? I was. I was in the bleachers, no less. I mean, there were a t- there was there were ble- there were Blue Jays fans out there. There were freaking there was a Phillies fan out there, just like being loud for no reason. Like, why are you here? Why are you even here in your Phillies gear, dude? I don't get it. He got um, he he and he got booted from the he stadium. He got booted. Thank God. Yeah, he got he, he got let away in cuffs. He was chirping me. I I was going to the bathroom and he was right behind me and he was like giving me shit and I was like, what are you doing here with a Phillies jersey on? It's ninety degrees out. You're, you're kind of a fat guy wearing a nylon jersey, sweating sweating. To death like what are you doing here and he's just chirping me the entire time in the bathroom so i'm glad he got booted yeah and there were a lot of toronto fans out there and a lot of them had very new hats look like very, they were all shiny and freshly really blue pressed. yeah freshly pressed <laughs> stickers still on you know these guys were rocking their gear um but you know you know this is what happens when when teams hit streaks like this uh people come out of the woodwork so whatever that you know those hats will be uh, collecting dust soon enough hopefully yeah, this is the first time in our lifetime that we've been com- that the Blue Jays have been a threat. Yeah, in a in a long time. I mean, I was a kid when when they were when they were doing well. Um, so it's been a it's been a very long time since the Toronto Blue Jays have have been good. Um, but you know, hopefully uh, hopefully we can muster the muster the storm, man, and, and kind of weather it and and come back and show them that uh, you know that. We have uh, some professionals, and we can we can we can overcome. So I got confidence, though. I do. I have confidence in this team. All right. Well, we're going to be recording. You know, this time next week, if the Yankees, um, you know, win a couple series on the road this weekend, I think, you know, we'll totally forget about this week. But if this continues, it's going to be pretty ugly next week, I think, for us. But uh, until then, have a good week, everybody, and we'll talk to you then. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.